Welcome to Go Home Heat, a sports entertainment podcast. We are going to, we being me, are going to, KP, try and make sense and direction out of the WWE heading into a draft coming up this weekend as we have a huge match Monday night between Big E and Bobby Lashley. And also we're coming off this pay-per-view and we have Edge versus Seth 3 on Friday night along with a draft. Big, big week ahead of us as they pivot. The draft is a pivot anyway with these perceived rivalries with an AEW company that is hot on their heels or maybe not even on their heels if you, depending on what you think of demos, even footing-ish. So the the E is dealing with that along with trying to uh, continue ratings on a Monday night where you have a Dallas Cowboys game with the Eagles and next week, Monday night football is always trying to have the good rivalries. So it's a interesting thing. So heading into this pay-per-view, we have only a handful of matches scheduled. One of which is a extreme rules match. People upset, of course, that we don't have more than one extreme rules match because it's an extreme rules pay-per-view. I think we see by the end as they saved a hundred percent of the shenanigans, <laughs> For the final match, and I will be going through that as much as I can to try to make sense of what was just an incredible performance and then complete and utter chaos that became a lightning rod for commentary on the, in the Twitter verse, which is how we evaluate everything in pro wrestling is evaluated through the IWC. All right, so we start out with a non-announced match until the day. No build-up whatsoever, really, unless you count the rivalries that have been on Raw anyway, where Big E, Xavier Woods, Kofi, the newly reunited New Day as former champion Lashley, uh, one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the world, AJ Styles, and a man, Mountain Almas. Um, the match was incredible. It was a lot of back and forth, a lot of good stuff. We did have the Big E winds up going over as... Lashley and AJ wind up getting confused. I won't get too bogged down on most of this with the wrestling. Usually with WWE, it's the booking people care about. It's the, the pattern because the wrestling's always good. They they hire good wrestlers. And um so this is no different. And actually in this particular case, you have five of the better wrestlers of the last however many years and over, along with this guy they really have a lot of confidence in or, or want to have confidence in as they try to create the big show style monster. The real story here winds up being Lashley's being furious with Big E, who he has never gotten to have one-on-one since the cash-in. He challenges for Monday night. Big E winds up, winds up accepting this winds up being, you know, Biggie was great in the backstage promo. Why are we doing this? Why on earth are they doing this? They're doing this because they're trying to keep the ratings up, obviously, but they're also doing it because they're trying to keep the ratings up opposite. Normally, you would announce that match and you would start it out at the end of the show. I mean, you would you would start you would have that match at the end of the show. You can't do that here because the Cowboys and the Eagles are playing. It's a big time rivalry. You have to try to get eyes on your product early. And that's what they're doing here. And then they hope to keep him through the night, which will be tough. A slight quick commentary on this whole, I can't believe that they're booking shows now for people to watch them, which is the oddest thing I've ever heard in the IWC. 
Well, yeah. If you don't think Tony Khan's booking his shows for people to watch, I mean, they sit down and they talk about Tony, Jericho, TNT, continue to rave about their ratings, about the segment, how many people are watching per segment. Jericho calling himself a demo god because he owns these small segments and the little blurps of data they get for each moment these things are happening on their show. Of course, they're booking in that way. And if the adjustment is that the WWE has decided to do the likewise to try to keep up or try to get on even whatever they're trying to do, I'm a little confused why we're mad. <laughs> if you're like, I can't believe they put over Big E in order to try to um, improve the amount of people watching the show. Oh, that's good for us, right? I, I'm, I'm getting so confused at, at, at what we're wanting as we complain about everything that comes down the pike. But, hey, that's just me. Then we get Usos versus Street Profits. Again, this whole thing was fantastic. Um, the Usos don't miss. The Street Profits don't miss. These two groups are probably... The Usos are the present and the future in the bloodline of this brand and of WWE in general. I see the Street Profits as also the future of the company, even though they, they are former champions and they'll be former, they'll win the championship again at some point. But we saw a focus on Montez and, and this match really showcased Montez here as he was injured early and he goes through and he has to battle through the injuries and he winds up losing due to uh, them taking advantage of the injuries as they do. Little tributes to Adam Cole where Adam Cole's the first guy I can remember that did a whole lot of the fake kick to the head and the kick to the rib or the kick to the knee. They did this with Montez, with Montez a couple of times where they hit him in the knee and then they hit him in the rib with a kick, which allowed uh, using, using their uh, feet as jabs like a boxer with a punch, which is really uh, neat. And I thank Adam Cole for that. Cause in my mind, he brought that to prominence. Okay. So it works. Boom. They go over, but Montez has this great performance. He had a good, strong performance against Roman on Friday night and Dawkins not being there allowed for them to experiment. Give us a matchup. We don't see a whole lot. Give us a matchup. We don't see a whole lot with a young upcoming star that everybody kind of thinks when is the moment he goes over as a superstar by himself. I don't know, but if that match with Roman is any indication, he's going to do it. He's going to do it easily. He, he was out there for a long time. It was two guys killing it. And, I can't wait to see this guy get get alone by himself, although I do love the Prophets as a team. Now we have the Queen and Alexa. Here's the thing. This was where we thought, okay, we're going to get the crazy shenanigans, right? We Alexa is, her whole character is built for shenanigans, and yet they didn't give it to us. They were saving it for the end. I get it. And it makes me think one of two things, well, two things are going to happen here. Charlotte goes over clean. Alexa had a great performance against her. Um, she used some of the Twisted Bliss style, uh, that character's moveset. She used some of the movesets she's got going. Now she stayed in character the whole match. She does an amazing job of staying in character in matches. The interesting thing to me, though, is that as Charlotte tears up the, well, two things were interesting. I was, I was stunned that the crowd was chanting for Bliss, although it is her hometown. It was Philly, I guess that's where she's from. Um, no, it was Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. But as the crowd was started, to, as the crowd started to chant for Lily, 
that weirded me out because I didn't get that, but th they did. And then as Charlotte tore Lily up post match, and Alexa starts foaming at the mouth, she ate an alkyl seltzer. You could see it in her mouth as she was sitting at the top of the rail, which is funny. But as she's doing that, you can see that she's about to probably go further into the character, which is the opposite of what people online are thinking that they need to pull away. But as you watch the shows, it does feel like the audience is in on this. And so it's really weird. Like how are, how are they figuring that this is over when everything you read online says it isn't? And yet they are diving further in here. And I think she's going to go further into the dark. I don't think they're done with each other. Although they may be done with, you, with each other for right now, headed into a draft. Next, we wind up having the Jeff Hardy, Damian Priest, Sheamus match. It was really well done. Great matchup. Priest goes over with a roll-up. You get all of Jeff Hardy's kind of in-ring spots. Again, they, they're saving every bit of the shenanigans for the end of the pay-per-view. Heading into this pay-per-view, I think everybody thought that Bianca versus... Becky Lynch matchup was the one that would be the most interesting matchup. It was the one that felt like if Becky Lynch doesn't lose here, then we have kind of screwed everything up because we took the belt off of Bianca in such a weird way. Spoiler, you've already seen it. Spoiler alert, Becky winds up winning, right? Uh, Sasha winds up coming in, blowing the whole thing up. That worries me, although it does make me wonder... Do the Street Profits and Bianca, because reportedly Vince likes to keep couples on the same show. Does that mean the Street Profits and Bianca are on the move to Raw? I don't know. I know that he wants star power on Raw. I know that he, I know that the company seems to think Bianca's a star, and they're not wrong. I mean, everybody in the world thinks Bianca's a star. You can't, she just literally glows, and the athleticism just pours out of her body. And the mood that she sets when she's around is is uplifting and fantastic. And I think that putting her on Raw would be a great move for that show. She, anywhere she goes, any show she's on, she's going to be a focal point, if not the focal point, because she just exudes stardom out of herself. So I do kind of want to go through this match a little bit because it was crazy. It was crazy in a um, masterpiece kind of way. Um, you have the start of the match. Becky catches Bianca like she may be getting the 27-second win again, but then Bianca manages to boop, flip that real quickly, and we have, oh, she may get the KOD, and we may get a 20-something-second match again on that flip. Becky skates out the back door, winds up outside of the ring to rethink her drink, and then we find out that Becky having a baby and being in Davenport with her own wrestle with her and Seth's wrestling school and CrossFit gym and all of that, I don't think Becky's missed a beat. I would argue that Becky's better right now than she's ever been in the ring. That was crazy. And I realized a lot of that has to do with Bianca. And the thing about that match was we have written into Bianca's Bianca's matches are getting great, great, great. Now she's in the ring with Sasha. She's in the ring with Becky. She's in the ring. I just was blown away at how good this was. And they are writing into Bianca's roles in her matches, Cena parts. You know, Cena was the, the uber strong guy, right? So you're writing these matchup moments in where 
somebody dives at her and she catches him and she rolls over and rolls through and stands up with him and either throws him or somebody leaps on her and grabs her in a hold and tries to hold her. And she's the base of the, of basically the triangle or whatever you want to call it. And then she rotates their body without putting them on the ground and lifts them straight up into the air to a suplex position or whatever. Those style strength moments. They're riding in the Bobby Lashley style strength moments. They even give her the ultimate warrior military press in the middle of the ring walk around moments. They have showcased her power in a way that is just incredible. And again, the way she glows, it really makes it work because she'll even crack a smile when she gets these things done. And then you have, then you uh, piggyback on, on that. She's well-rounded athletic. She's not just like ultimate warrior was, was big and strong, but athletic, he wasn't fluid, you know, she's a fluid athlete. They put that, they've allowed her to showcase that we had multiple roll throughs by both competitors, putting the other one in these odd positions. Becky in multiple occasions rolled through and managed to get the arm bar on her. The, the really neat finish, what could have been a really neat finish that was blown away by, by Sasha, which I'm not arguing the Sasha shouldn't have blown it up. It is her character. I don't know what they're going to do with Bianca, whether or not they're going to move her to Raw. It makes sense to move her to Raw if she didn't win tonight. I can't believe she didn't win last night. I just can't believe it. But anyway, we'll move on from that. She's got Becky on her arm. She's pulling for the for the disarmer, and she manages to stand up with Becky on her shoulder, and she's got her, and she's about to put her in the KOD, and Sasha runs down and ruins the whole thing. Everybody's getting stabbed in the back, backstabbers around. If we get, as much as I wish Bianca went over right here, I really want to get Sasha, Bianca, Becky in the ring together at least once on SmackDown before this draft's over or before you move her somewhere else because Sasha's as good as it gets in pro wrestling and has been. Becky's incredible in pro wrestling. And is getting better. And Lord have mercy. Bianca Belair is becoming everything John Cena was for her division. And that's incredible. And she has such a, she is entertainment. I mean, it's it's crazy how good she is. So this is really exciting for me. Then we get to the shenanigans matchup as Roman comes out. He's ready to rock this thing. He walks out slowly. Um... And then the demon's entrance is crazy, right? They have the big red moon and the tentacles coming out of it and all that. He crawled, you know, he didn't crawl to the ring, which is odd for him, but it was a long way down, whatever. The first part of the matchup is fairly straightforward wrestling as Finn Demon takes abuse, but continues to pop up, pop up, pop up. It doesn't hurt him. Then he begins to get Roman down. Roman does a really good job of... The, the crowd wanting tables, they were chanting tables all night. They want them so bad. And when the crowd would pull, because, you know, Roman, as much as you hate him, you kind of it's hard to root for him a little bit because you you appreciate the fact that he's the great part of the show. So the crowd chanting for tables and also not necessarily being 100% on Finn's side, Roman is able to do this every time this happens in big matchups. He flips the crowd totally against him. Finn pulls the, chair, the table out as the crowd's chanting for tables. Roman takes advantage of Finn paying attention to something else, pushes the table back in. Not today. You're not getting a table match today. This is going to be a straight butt whooping. It's not going to be extreme. 
It's going to be just a butt whooping, not extreme. So he tries to continue that path. Doesn't work out that way, of course. They fight into the crowd. Roman masks up before he goes into the crowd, partially an ode to the shield, partially an ode to the fact that he's not looking with COVID as prevalent as it is to be breathing everybody's air. So he rolls out with the mask on, and they fight all through the crowd. They come back through. Finn flips the script. It looks as if there is a barricade spot where Roman just blows right through him, drops him through the barricade. It looks as if after Finn flips the script, he does hit the coup de grace. It looks like it might be over. Roman, one, two, boom, Usos attack. Everything goes crazy, right? Everything goes crazy after that. Usos on the beatdown. Finn manages to overcome that. Numbers game with Roman involved becomes even more so. Finn is out. It's over. He's laying there. He's dead. He's lifeless on the ground. The demon heartbeat takes over the entire arena as we get this red glow and boom, 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 boom. And then defibrillator style, your man starts bouncing off the ground. And the lifeless body is now a true demon. And he pummels Roman. And he shotgun drop kicks Roman. And Roman flips up on it. Dude, the way Roman did this was chef's kiss. He flips up and lands on the table and breaks it, giving the crowd what they wanted, what he had refused to give them earlier. Rolls into the ring. Coup de gras. It's over. The, the demon's music is playing. The crowd is filled with smoke. I mean, the, the arena is being filled with smoke. There's a red light. It's over. And somehow, divine intervention happens. And the top turnbuckle breaks. The demon collapses to earth and becomes Finn again as he hits the, mouth, the, the mat injured. Roman understands this gift from the heavens, hits Finn, gets the pin one, two, three, looks up into the stars and re uh, up into the arena lights, past that into the heavens, knowing that his forefathers, the angels, have anointed him king once again. And the guy who was on his side this time, the one who was protecting him, was no longer Vincent Kennedy McMahon who had protected him from years as a baby face. Now the one protecting him is Vince's old foil who Vince wrestled in a match, Shawn Michaels, former tag team partner, the G-O-D himself, God, has ordained Roman Reigns be the leader. It was crazy. People are nuts. They're mad as hell, happy. Uh, peculiar. It's some form of storytelling. It's weird because as weird as all this is, there is a little bit, if you kind of look at it funny, of it mirroring Finn's career as the demon had brought Finn through NXT into this really great spot. And then he winds up going over and being the first universal champion and injury takes that away from him. So in this odd way, the match actually mirrors his career. Um, it, it's so out there crazy of an ending. I get the fact that everybody's mad. I also get the fact that people are looking at it and like, well, dude, they managed to protect Finn. You can move him to another show if you want. You can go back to this matchup again if you want. Here's the key to all this. I'm going to cut through the chase. They said walking out, Roman Reigns is the second longest reigning champion in the history of the company. Well, guys, there's a guy named Phil Brooks. 
that is the longest reigning championship guy. Okay. The guy who's had the belt the longest in a row is Phil Brooks. You know him as CM Punk. That name's getting erased out of the record books, guys. And it's happening before Roman's done. Ain't losing until that happens. So you can just forget about it. They're going to figure out ways to protect people or not protect people, but Roman's going to keep winning. Also, too many people are watching Roman on Friday nights. Every week. Every week. So you have got to understand they're not messing with that right now. He's a gravy train. And this did get people stirred up. It was crazy. I don't even know how, like, where does creative come up with something like that? Whose idea is that? And I get they could have done it a different way. Maybe the Usos could have, whatever. I, I just, it was so many moving parts and so much going on. It's just hard to, like, boom, comprehend. But anyway, let's get into what we think is going on. A little, a little evaluation of the turning point. Or as a young Axl Rose once said, where do we go? Where do we go now? <laughs> we go to Big E. That's what they're doing. Big E is the Raw champion, and he is the future of that brand. Lashley is going to have a matchup with him tonight and probably lose cleanly. Shayna Baszler has been freed up to be a heel on the brands. But the main thing we have is... It's clear that we're betting on the new day in the bloodline to be the past, the future, and the present of the company. We're betting on them to carry our two shows. The matchup there, too, is you're, you're tasking along with them, Bianca, the horsewomen, uh, AJ, Seth, Orton, Ripley. They have the task of carrying this thing until this next group of stars, uh, people they hope to become stars as they try to develop your your riddles, your almas, your priests, Tony Storm, Shotzi, Knox, Piper Niven, Liv, all those folks they're going to try to move up into this area that has been, as you have seen this group of talented performers that have been in the company for a while and admit have not been re-signed or have left to go to another company. These vacancies have been there for people who weren't in that main event picture to now be put into these spots and hopefully help carry the company into the future. To me, the biggest thing right now looming with WWE, and this sounds weird, is a man who's already on their roster, and it's not Kevin Owens. If Kevin Owens leaves, he's been in the company a long time. I love him. He's a fantastic performer, and I will love watching him on AEW if that's what he wants to go do. But he's been in WWE. He's done most of what he can do there. Another run would be something similar to what he's already done. The matchups would be similar to what he's already had. AEW, he gets fresh matchups, all that stuff. Same with Daniel Bryan leaving. I get why he left. I will always love watching Daniel Bryan wrestle. Whatever. Adam Cole was going to go. His buddies are over there. His significantly wonderful others over there. He was going to go. The Bearcat is what matters. Keith Lee, they're calling him the Bearcat right now due to a legend named the Bearcat that, or nicknamed the Bearcat from prior years. He matters. He has charisma oozing out of him. He is 
the blue, he is exactly what you think Vince would love. He is a lovable, charismatic, athletic giant. He is the picture of what Vince McMahon should want and what Vince McMahon should be able to make work, and it hasn't yet. Karrion Cross is similar. He needs to work, but Keith is the one who's been pulled off TV, put in these dark matches. Keith has to work. If Keith Lee doesn't work out, after they pulled him off NXT as the world champ, and we were supposed to get him, he had had two fantastic performances, one in the Royal Rumble, one in the Survivor. He is supposed to be what matters. Keith was supposed to be the next big thing. And they took him off NXT soon thereafter. If he can't work, it's the most damning thing that you can do to the main roster system. Because these other guys that have left, they were on top. They were, they've been to the mountaintop and were on the way down from it. Now they can get back to the mountaintop and extend that time period of the mountaintop somewhere else. Keith hasn't been there yet. He should have been there already. This has to work. There is no excuse for that talent, that package, this platform to not be huge. That's my thoughts. This is KP, a Go Home Heat Special Edition. Thank you to the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Thank you to the Daily Smart for letting us be on there. Check us out there. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on your iPhone. Check us out on Bullhorn. And check us out on iHeartRadio app. Thank you very much and go home.